1: Welcome to another edition of the Gary Neville podcast. The week's a long time in football. <laughs> Been a lot to talk about this week. Let's first of all, we're at Wembley. We've just seen Manchester City make a, a piece of history by winning the Carabao Cup for A fourth time in a row. Liverpool did it back in the 80s, but they've matched that achievement now. Eight wins have also
2: matched Liverpool's achievement. Uh, And
1: 1-0, perhaps, flatters
2: Tottenham. It does. I think that you have to just recognise Manchester City's outstanding football, the outstanding achievement of winning this trophy four times on the bounce. Pep Guardiola's outstanding record in cup competitions. 14 now and 1, 14 victories, one defeat in 15 finals it's absolutely out of this world and the football that they play is magnificent it really is tottenham were they were quite passive for the whole game it was beyond them really a dispirited performance in some ways in the final i mean that's maybe being a little unfair because you're playing against a team like city but they've got some fantastic players spurs and i expected a little bit more from them. they've obviously lost their manager this week it's been a, an incredibly difficult week for i think most clubs that have been dealing with this issue of the european super league so we don't know what impact that has had obviously losing the manager playing against a great team all those things are factors um but they've lost their coach they've lost the coach Maurizio potatino i think was uh, a great coach for these players or for many of them And they've just lost that ability to understand how to play with each other. They look like a team that are now reacting to what the other team do rather than having their own idea. You know, when I used to watch Spurs under Pochettino, I've always thought that there was a plan, there was an idea. And they've gone to become a a group of players who don't have an idea at this moment in time. And I think that they're going to need a new coach to get that back.
1: And I think in this country, we're not the greatest at uh, celebrating the team that's the best. We always want to knock them off their perch, but... A few words on on what Manchester City are achieving. They've still got PSG to come with Manchester United drawing at Leeds today. They're that much closer to clinching the the Premier League. It will be looked upon in years to come as an extraordinary golden era.
2: Uh, it, It is, Martin. I think the manager... You please check me here if I'm getting carried away that I think they may have the greatest manager of all time when we look back in sort of 10, 15, 20 years' time. Just the way in which he's... Um, infiltrated countries and dominated football, but also influenced others. Um, I I don't think I've ever seen it. And you look at how he's won now in three different countries. He's dominating now in this country. He's going to win the league title very soon in the next couple of weeks. That's three in five years, it would be. Um, They're massive achievements, playing the way in which obviously they play as well, which is with technical players dominating possession. The big one is the Champions League. The big one is the Champions League, obviously a huge couple of weeks coming up for Manchester City against PSG because if they were to win that then they'd have a great chance and that would be I think the sort of the cherry on the icing on top of the cake of Pep Guardiola's reign at Manchester City because I don't think he can leave without winning it, it would feel incomplete if he didn't leave this country if he left this country without winning the Champions League I know that happened in Germany but I think here Manchester City will give him the time to do it and it almost feels like he has to um, to sort of say that the job's done I came I came to do this and this is what I've done and look, look how I did it
1: But Manchester City and Spurs have been part of this week, which to use your phrase has left a nasty taste in in mouths. And where are we a week on, Gary, with it? I mean, we've been able to commentate on the game fairly, and I hope uh, honestly, as a football match. Um, Had the Super League gone through, that would have been very difficult for us to do, I think, but it hasn't gone through.
2: But there's still rumblings from Madrid in particular that this hasn't gone away. How do you see it? Yeah, I I must admit, Martin, I've struggled with that game a little bit today to commentate on it. Um, I think we, during the game, I never once mentioned the Super League because I think it was right that the players on the pitch have had nothing to do with it, the coaches on the bench and certainly the fans in the stadium and the fans listening at home. So I think we've got to make sure that what we do is cover the football match. But I struggled with it from a point of view of having a really bad taste in my mouth that these two teams are fortunate to be playing out on this surface today you know, this is the EFL Cup, they would have destroyed the EFL uh, uh, if, they'd gonna, if they'd have basically pulled off what they tried to, uh, to do. And, I, 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 and I've said it, I think, a couple of times now, the sorry isn't enough, because we've still got very powerful individuals in Europe saying that these teams are not leaving the Super League. They've signed up they're in-binding contracts and that this is going to come back. And these are people who don't take no for an answer. You know, Perez and Laporte at Barcelona and Real Madrid don't take no for an answer. They're not going away. And I don't know what's going on behind the scenes with respect of the contract situation with the ES, uh, the European Super League. I, I can't even say it because it disgusts me. Um, I said last week I thought Manchester United and Liverpool were the teams that I felt most angry towards and I still feel the same. But I don't see why we shouldn't feel angry towards Manchester City and towards Tottenham. I do but maybe not as angry because I feel that they were led. I do feel that they will have been more led. There's no way they'll have set this up on their own. They couldn't do. They would have had to have had those sort of two big hitters at the front of the queue. And, and to me, you, you know, you mentioned Daniel Levy during the game, that he's English. We know Daniel Levy, though, he will have been frightened to death of missing out on the money. You know, Spurs have taken on, I think, a billion, over a billion pound stadium. And to be offered that opportunity to go into this league, knowing that there was a binding contract in place, all the other five were in it. I do have a little bit of a, a understanding, a little bit of an understanding that you thought you're looking at them, thinking, well, I'm not quite sure if it's right. But what if I don't go in? And that that idea of what if I don't go in, City may be the same. Um, they didn't need the money. I'm sure that their owners are probably sat back now thinking. I wish I just said no to them. We didn't need them, and we could have just stayed here, because there is nothing. I mean, I said it on Monday night football. There is nothing about that project that, to be fair, suits Manchester City's what would be goal and end game. Um, and I'm, I've gone past angry into thinking about sort of how how we stop it, how we move towards a point whereby this doesn't happen again. That was my next question. How do we stop it? it, it it's it is through it is through legislation in Parliament. It's the only way because the Premier League clubs, even the fourteen other ones. Away from the six, they're not going to vote um, to take the power away from themselves. They want the power from themselves. But what what was designed in 1992, I think, with good intention, now needs to be changed to what would be more of a neutral position, whereby the top top six clubs in particular, but also the other clubs around them as well. I'm not saying they're all they're not all angels and saints. Uh, don't have the ability to destroy English football. There should be fairer distribution of wealth. Uh, There should be fitting proper owner's tests that are in place. There should be
1: um, How do you do fit and proper owners? These are not criminals coming in. What kind of I factors do you put in to say, well, you're actually not good because you're going to come and asset
2: strip or you're going to come and want to go into a European Super League?
1: It, it, that, not easy, is it?
2: No, I suppose in some ways it may be around representation on boards. It may be around uh, the idea that certain things are protected. I think if you look at the fan-led review, I think it's really important that everybody looks at the fan-led review in the terms of reference that are going to be looked at and it does say that things that, are protect, things that could be protected that are important to communities and football clubs beyond what would be money. You know, the, the, to me, they're the things that I think, you know, I, I'm not against the modernisation of football and I'm not against money in football, but I do think we have to have a, play, a fair playing field. And what was attempted last week really was dangerous for English football. And I do feel angry about it. Um, and we've seen this week how, how out of touch uh, some of the owners are. Um, what about the apologies? Well, the Manchester United first apology was a farce. I mean, mm-hmm. who, who wrote, who's put the name? Didn't put, no one put the name on it. Who would? I mean, it was an absolute joke of an apology. It wasn't even an apology, I don't think. And then Joel Glazer came out five or six hours later because probably he recognised that the first apology was just a disgrace. I mean, who at Liverpool ever sanctioned uh, that uh, J.W. Henry video going out? I mean, I mean, that was an embarrassment. I mean, Martin, you think about when you drive to Liverpool and you go up to a game and you see those fans and then you think to yourself, who, put, who allowed that video to go out? I mean, <laughs> it was an absolute joke. And I have to say that maybe the most clever thing that the Glazers have done in the last seven or eight years or 10 years or 15 years is not speak, if that's how it's going to come across. Maybe they actually are more aware. Um, and Cronkey's uh, reference to midweek Trips to
1: Stoke and English fans need that, and real fans want Barcelona. Or sorry, that's not a fair representation. That global fans want to Arsenal, Arsenal against Barcelona every other week. That they were representing those, and oh well, the English fans want to go to Stoke. You know, Martin. patronising beyond belief.
2: Honestly, you're making me more angry the more that you speak. Honestly, they're an absolute disgrace. Those three clubs are, I think, the standard bearers for English football in terms of success and joy around the world. The you know the hundreds of millions of fans around the world who have watched those three clubs and to be represented in such a fashion, honestly, it's... But they don't get it, do they? I guess what, what the...
1: English fans, led by your good self and Jamie Carragher, many others from our industry as well, and broadcasters, I think, all united, the fans united. What uh, we're defending is the fact that it's a game in this country, originated in this country, and the sense of competition comes from this country. We understand American sports don't have promotion and relegation. We understand that. But for them to think that's the way forward and to drag a country that's never experienced it into that and think that would all happen by flicking a switch...
2: It's naive beyond belief, isn't it? Well, they're in, good job they're inept. Mm. It's a good job they're inept. I mean, these people um, have misrepresented the the clubs. They've they've misunderstood the English fan, the football fan, the consumer, mm. as they would call them. Mm. Um, the, cu- the customer. The customer. Mm. Um, look, I said last week that I've stayed quiet on the Glazer family, on Cronky, on. FSG and other American owners for the last sort of what would be 15 years because the reality is we can't decide, we can't decide who buys a football club. We can't, I own a football club. We cannot decide who buys a football club. I never thought they would try and I knew they would always try and extract more money. Come on, let's be clear. We're not naive enough to think they weren't going to try and extract more money that they were in it to to, to make profit. We knew that. However, their profit comes with a massive debt for the football club. It does, it does. But we knew that and we can't stop that. However, the idea that they would try and Americanise our football to the point whereby they would destroy it forever, the pyramid, the relegation and promotion, the idea of certainty of revenue, the idea that you cannot allow other teams into a competition. I was mentioning before to Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank in the piece that I was doing into the studio before the United Leeds, Man United-Leeds game, where you're talking about Dutch football, Ajax, PSV Eindhoven, Feyenoord, unbelievably huge clubs, Bayern Munich, Borussia Dortmund, Hamburg, Cologne, institutions of football clubs. These owners were trying to destroy not only football in this country, but all across Europe, apart from those 12, 15, 18 clubs that were going to be invited. And I, I use the phrase, which I think severe, and I don't like using the sort of words murder within football. It was the attempted murder of English football and European football. I have got absolutely no hesitation in using those phrases because it would have killed it forever to come back into this league, to think you could waltz off into Europe and get £300 million extra for 23 years, guaranteed, and come back then here. It's already difficult enough as it is for the other clubs at the, at the sort of lower end of the league to break into the top six, but there's a chance with West Ham with Leicester, with Everton, with the building, the new stadium, with Newcastle, if they can get their ownership right, there's a chance that Leeds could potentially drive the way up into that top six eventually. But we're removing that opportunity forever. We're removing that opportunity forever. If we give those top six clubs an extra £300 million every single year and are saying to the others, you can't get it, you're not having it. Now, honestly, the fact that they've been twice now with proposals in the last eight months around Super Leagues, big pictures these sort of what would be phrases that sort of look like they're something a little bit. They're not even presented very well, are they? <laughs> if you think about it, they don't even sound appealing. Um, I have to say that enough is enough now. They've the Royal Family. They've spiked number 10. They've spiked the leader of the opposition. They've spiked the Liberal Democrat Party. They've universally united everybody in this country, football fans, non-football fans, governments, royal families, into thinking, we've got to now put protections in place and manage these six clubs, and and other clubs as well, that maybe have an intention to do what they were going to do. Can that be done? Yeah, it can be done, Martin, mm-hmm. absolutely. It will need a massive amount of support. It will need a strong government that will are willing to act and step in and intervene, and I've always called for it. But what's quite clear is that... You cannot trust the stakeholders in this country to collaborate together and work together for a fairer game because the power base of football in this country is with the clubs, the top six clubs, and eventually they will get their way. We know know they bring the most money in, But 20 years ago, that was Nottingham Forest or 30 years ago, that was Nottingham Forest. It was Aston Villa. It was Everton. It wasn't Manchester City and Chelsea. Who's to say in 30 years time, that isn't going to be another three clubs? Who's to say that someone's not going to grab Newcastle and Sunderland, those fire pits of football, those hotbeds of football and bring them up and let them rise and grow to be the greatest clubs in this country or near to being the greatest clubs in this country once again? As soon as we have this league whereby they're all taking 300 million quid, Newcastle and Sunderland can never rise because they become, become unappealing. And we've got to make sure that every single club and every single city in this country has the ability to be appealing because football is huge in the community. And I have to say that the removal of competition is, just, is an absolute no-go for me. And I do feel like I've struggled a little bit today to love this game because of what's happened in the last week, and I don't know if anybody else felt like that at home, I feel very bitter towards what has been attempted. You know, Big Picture had some good bits in it. It had some bad bits in it, but it had some good bits in it. There was more of a distribution of wealth. There were other things that I like, but there were bits of it that you couldn't even stomach, so that that had to get chucked out. But they're going to come back. They're going to come back, these people. They're pariahs. They're not going away.
1: We would love to be doing a podcast about the beautiful game, Chelsea's win at West Ham and Leeds and Manchester United playing out a thrilling. It was nil-nil, but a thrilling game to watch. And Manchester City, although they are part of the shameful six, I call them. uh, They, you know, that we've had a cup final worthy of it, and and we must finish on a positive note. Eight thousand people here, transformed Wembley. People said to me it coming today, oh, well, 8,000 won't be that no. be a drop in the ocean, you know. And <laughs> it, it wasn't that at all. It felt like a, well,
2: not quite a full Wembley, but you know what I mean. It was. Yeah, it was, well well done to the authorities. Because, mm. I, I mean, Martin, I didn't know what to expect before the game. When you said 8,000, this huge stadium, you're thinking, well, to be fair, it's going to be like hearing a pin drop. But the fact that they collected them together into the quadrants over in that sort of far corner and they put the 2,000 Tottenham and City fans. Actually, quite in a quite a compact space, meant that they could create quite a noise, which did bring a lot to the atmosphere. So, look, I'm hoping now that you know that I'm hoping now that lockdown we are unlocking, and I'm hoping that we can keep on unlocking so that we can return to full stadiums in the next three or four months, certainly for the start of next season. Because we have forgotten, I suppose, what it's like and how special uh, it is. The referee got booed
1: today. <laughs> that's he not, did.
2: That's not happened on our
1: cheated effects. It, it, um, it, it, and and. Uh, in the end it just felt felt normal again which was lovely really lovely
2: it did i mean to be fair to the fans who have not been in stadiums over the last six to eight months and and felt them empty it does con you a little bit at home with that crowd noise because you know we all watch it with the crowd noise on and it's quite good when you watch it with the crowd noise off it's 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 soulless but to actually be in this stadium with no fans in here and watch a football match and then think that there'll be 85 90,000 back in and how it will be when it first starts up uh, is it, it, is going to be an emotional it's going to be an emotional time because I think those first few weeks are going to be really special um, but we move forward to next weekend and there's going to be a social media boycott by the Premier League the clubs and the EFL what do you make of that uh I, I think it's needed I think there is a, a there is a movement needed. I think there have been quite a few people highlight this week that if the same outrage applied to racism as there has been to the European super League then we might be making a dent into that a lot quicker than we have been so I think it's absolutely right. Um, I think it's important that the super League doesn't disappear off the agenda but it's absolutely critical that we deal with this issue of racism in this country. And I'm not saying that we can deal with it through football and I'm not saying that we can eradicate it through football, but I know that football can create huge social change. But what it can do is start to set a precedent around punishments and how severe it is and the fact that it is unacceptable. And social media companies, even for FIFA, their punishments for, or lack of punishment, for what would be major offences needs to change. And I think that's the first thing. We've got to accept that this is a crime. It's a major crime. And it actually, it creates inequality, lack of inclusion. And that when we start to deal with it properly, we'll start to see that there is a, 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 a belief that this is not something you can get away with anymore, which I have to say, when you see the paltry fines that have been handed out by authorities, or you see the fact that people get banned for two days off social media or whatever it may be for... Uh, racist language, you, you know, it's unacceptable. It, it cannot happen. So I think football can lead. I'm happy that it's doing it. Um, and to be fair, next weekend, I think all of us from Friday at three o'clock until Monday, I think it is at 1159. We'll, we'll you know, we'll be off social media. Um, and, and for that, hopefully, the social media companies and everybody will start to you know, think that this is a problem that needs to be dealt with quickly because it will start to harm them. And that's the only way. It's the same with the Super League. We have to uh, harm these owners and we have to harm people who are racist to ensure that ultimately we rid, the, we rid not just football, but society of this disgusting thing that's just hampered us for hundreds and sen- hundreds of years and centuries. And to think that people are have less opportunity because of the color of the skin. In 2021, we've got huge problems. And we wanted to finish on a positive note, but I believe that is a positive note to say that, you know, next weekend, it's a very positive thing that the Premier League, the EFL, and the clubs are doing. Keep on crusading. Thank you. Thanks, Gary. Thank you.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up?